the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Know this, our sin will always catch up with us, in this life or the next. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 45, Genesis 45, and I entitled this message, The Big Picture. Have you ever wondered if there's actually a bigger picture in life? I mean, something that is way more than just what we're living or seeing, something that's fueled by a deeper purpose than what we see around us. Now, many Christians that have been walking with the Lord, they they realize this, they do. But my prayer is that if you're not sure that your life has a deeper meaning than just the surface of what we see here today, my prayer is that you would understand that your life has real purpose that would change your heart, that you could see that by the end of this message. Because God has something bigger in this life than what you could imagine, something much greater than this boring and mundane issues that we are facing every day, especially with the political climate and the social climate and all of those things. We get so caught up in that that we forget that God has a higher purpose for us. Yes, I think we all have a desire inside to do something in this life besides just get up every day and go through the same old routines of life. I mean, think about how routine life is. We get up, we go to work. Why? Well, we have to pay our bills. We have to save up all month long to do what? Pay our house payment, our rent, our car payments, insurance, credit cards, food. Hey, got to eat, right? All of these things. And it's like, oh my goodness. And then the next month, what happens? It all starts all over again. And we do the same thing again. I used to love when I was selling construction equipment, making all this money. Then I'd have the best month we ever had. It's like, wow. And then the next month starts like, okay, now you just got to do it all over again. Oh, and you better top that month because <laughs> that's what you did the month before. Oh, it's such a vicious cycle, and it's called life, and it's so daily. In the midst of, you know, working and providing for my family, there's been a few cool vacations in there along with some toys like, well, for me, motorcycles and the electronic gadgets. Life can have some pretty cool perks in it, but vacations, as you know, they all come to an end, and everything else wears out eventually. But the thing that never gotten old for me and my wife is serving the Lord. It's what moves us on. Think about what a privilege it is to serve the creator of the universe. Why? Because it's like, man, we're able to serve the king of kings. Obviously, God could do a much better job in life in everything than we could do, right, than any of us. I mean, it's like, but God in his infinite wisdom, has allowed us to serve him. 
See, God allows us to be part of his eternal plan by serving. And so we have video people and all of this and technical people that help make all of this happen. And it's, again, part of his plan. You know, who would have ever thought that us believers could be called upon to be a light that shines to those around us in this world. Again, there's something bigger than the social climate that's around us. Us believers have a higher calling than that, than to sit around and argue about, you know, this right and that right and all of these things. It's like we should be taking the message of hope the message of Jesus to them. That's why the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 2.9, it says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Yes, we have all this division in our country, but shouldn't we rise above that? Shouldn't we rise up to like, hey, wait a second, there's something bigger than this. I mean, this is big, but this is bigger your eternity, and standing before God one day. Yes, God has called you and me. He said, we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Really? How could that be? Maybe some of you, like me, wonder, how could I be of any real value to the Lord, and how could the Lord value me? Maybe you weren't valued in your family. Maybe you weren't the chosen one. But yet God has great value in you. The Bible says that he has adopted us. We are God's son and his daughter. And it's not like the family you came from. Man, God is like, oh, he's got the big old fat God wallet out there and pulls it out. And your picture is in his wallet because he loves you tremendously. And he places great value on us as his children. That's why he has filled us with his Holy Spirit that only a handful of people got in the entire Old Testament. And yet each and every one of us are filled with this Holy Spirit. doesn't matter what color your skin is. doesn't matter what shape your eyes are. It's like you have come to know Christ. You're his son or you're his daughter. And he's filled you with his Holy Spirit. And I mean, imagine what you could do. Each and every one of you, you could hear a message. You could say, man, that message would minister to my friend in Idaho. You could call him and say, download this app. And then they could be listening to the message in minutes. Minutes. And it's just like, wow, that's, that's incredible. It's crazy. It's amazing to me. And I find it really interesting on how God will put us in certain places where we least expect it to minister to people. A few years ago, we were doing a harvest crusade in Augusta, Georgia. Now, I would always take like 30 high school and college students with me, and we would go. And normally at the end of the crusade, crusade ends on Sunday night, uh, everyone from the harvest team would get on a plane first thing Monday morning and fly back to Los Angeles, you know, to Ontario, you know, back, back home. But not me. Every time I took a whole group, and this was multiple times a year, we would never fly back on Monday morning. You know why? Because we wanted to play. That's right. So we would always fly back Tuesday, not Monday, Tuesday. And it's like we would just goof around all day Monday because I would take these kids. When we hit, you know, that crusade on maybe Wednesday or Thursday, man, we would street witness Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 10, 12 hours a day. I would just drive these kids. We would have so much fun. We'd lead 100, 150 people to Christ and everyone that we went to. And then when it came Monday, it's like, okay, we did all the work. Now it's time for play. 
So there we were Sunday night after the crusade, and we're at Chili's Restaurant. And I got 30 people to get seated to eat. And it was taking forever. I mean, we're just, I'm looking around like we're going to be sitting here till 11 o'clock before we all get seated. And I'm just like, not to say that I'm ever directed by my stomach. But I am always directed by my stomach. Okay, must eat food now. So I'm just, I get on the phone, and I, there's an olive garden down the street. I'm like, hey, how's it going? Hey, I'm down here at Chili's, and it's, it's taking forever. I said, how fast could you seat 30 people? And they said, well, actually, the restaurant's full, but we have a banquet room, and there's nobody in it. I could seat you in five minutes. Get the breadsticks rolling. Okay, so it's like, boom, we bailed on chili so fast, it was just, boom, we're out of there. So we get down there, and we get in this whole banquet room, and she gave us one server to service. Her name was Kat, and she was a young girl, probably 25 years old, 27 years old, and uh, so we're joking around with her. I mean, imagine that. Use your imagination. Anyway, we're joking around with her and everything and all this, and, and uh, you know, we start liking this girl. We're sharing Jesus with her. You know, we're joking around with her, and I said, hey, so what's there to do in Georgia? Because we're, we're going to be here all day tomorrow. We have nothing to do. We're not flying out till Tuesday. What can we do? She goes, well, there's this place called called the gorge it's like two hours you know two hours north of us here and it's like and so i'm just like going well good we want to go there and she and she's like okay great yeah and i'm like you should go with us she's like huh (laughs) you should go with us and she's like uh well i have to work tomorrow i go who's your boss she goes well that's the boss over there i get up walk over to the boss i said hey this girl cat, okay, we're here, and it's like we're going on tomorrow. She tells us about this place in the gorge. Her parents have a place up there. You got to let her off tomorrow. We need her tomorrow. She's like, okay. <laughs> so I go back. I go, I got you off, and she's like, okay. I mean, so I mean, how random is this? We could all be a bunch of axe murderers, you know, high school students <laughs> incognito. Anyway, so she's like, she's going to come with us. So I said, okay. So you got to meet us at our hotel at. Eight o'clock in the morning because we do Bible devotions first. She goes, Bible devotions? What is that? I'm like, well, you just come. And she's like, okay, I'm going to come to your hotel room. Well, we're all going to be in there, okay? We're all all there because we would do the devotions in one room. So we crammed 30 people in one normal size hotel room. We'd be all over the bed and everything. And so I'm like, like, she's like, okay. And so anyway, so the next morning I'm in the lobby. I'm waiting for it. It's like 10 after 8. Like, where is she? Where is she? Well, she pulls up. She's like, all bummed out. I'm like, Hey, what's up? She goes, well, I didn't get off till midnight last night. And at 1230, my my best friend was killed in a car wreck. And I was at the hospital. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And it's just like, and she's like, yeah, I I don't know what to do. I haven't slept all night. And I said, said, well, here, come on. Let's let's go back to the room. And we, you know, we go into the room. There's 30 people crammed in there. We got the guitar. And we start doing worship music. And I don't know what I was planning for a devotion that morning, but it just all changed. And it was all ministry to Kat. It was just all ministry, ministry, ministry. It was like, oh, man, we, we, we just feel so bad for you. We're praying for her. We're, we're just, you know, you know, encouraging her with the scripture. And then, so now we're going to drive up to this gorge thing. So, so she's got her car. And so I put two of my college girls that were just on fire for the Lord to ride with her in her car. And we're following her in the vans. And, and so they're ministering to her all the way up to this gorge two hours away. And, you know, we kind of do the gorge and everything. Then we end up at her parents' house, which is like a vacation house. And we're all crammed in there doing work. We're ministering to her. She gives her life to Christ. Like, wow. 
And, and, and all the kids were just pouring. Like this one high schooler just got a brand new Bible to take on her, new, on her trip to Augusta, Georgia. She gave her her brand new Bible. The kids were giving her stuff. I mean, it was just like, we're just pouring love into this. It was so crazy. It was a crazy story, but it was true. But again, we had never planned on eating at Olive Garden in the first place. And that's exactly what we have here in our study today. As we pick up in the book of Genesis, Joseph should have never been in Egypt in the first place. He wasn't even supposed to be there. If it wasn't for his jealous-filled, bitter-hearted brothers, yes, they wanted to kill Joseph for multiple reasons. Why would you want to kill your little brother? Well, first... Their father, Jacob, favored Joseph over all of his brothers, made a multicolored robe, put him favoritism big time over all the other brothers. Then Jacob would send out Joseph, the younger brother, to see if his brothers were working hard, and he would come back, well, no, they're slack jaws. Okay, so his dad helped turn him into a tattletale. And if that wasn't bad enough, Joseph was having dreams that God was giving him of his family members bowing down before him. He was never flaunting that. He was just sharing the dreams that God gave him. But that proved just too much for his jealous-hearted brothers. So they sold their little brother as a, to slave traders for 20 pieces of silver. Joseph was weeping as they were dragging him away, crying and pleading with his brothers, no, don't do this. And they drug him away, and they all turned their back on him. Yet their hearts were just as we saw, as cold as ice. They turned their back on their brother's cries for help. They told their father that a wild animal ate him. And look, we can prove it because we took his robe and killed a goat and dipped his, his, his multicolored special robe in blood and said, isn't this your son's jacket? A lion must have ate him. But yet here today, the day of reckoning has come. As we saw in our last study, Joseph, who, who had been put in charge as the second highest official in the world governing empire of Egypt, how did that happen? Because God allowed it to happen. Because while he was sitting in prison, you know, the, the Pharaoh had this crazy nightmare dream. He was dreaming of these seven beautiful cows, all fat and lush. And then as he's having a dream, oh, look at the beautiful moo cows. Seven ugly cows that were skinny, ribs popping out of their side, bones coming, and they came and scarfed and ate the healthy cows. Oh, gave them the heebie-jeebies. And what happened? The cupbearer said, wait a second, I was in prison a couple years ago when you got mad at me, but then you let me out. But while I was in there, I had a dream. There was a Hebrew boy in there, and he, and he interpreted my dream, and it was exactly how, how he said it was going to happen. He can interpret dreams. He goes, well, call that young man up here. They gave him a bath. They gave him a shave, and they brought him before Pharaoh. And what did he do? God gave him the interpretation of this crazy dream. And Joseph was able to say, look, there's a, there's a deeper meaning and importance to this dream of what happened. Those seven fat cows were a sign of seven fat years of abundance where there's going to be more food and crops than you've ever seen. But it will be followed by seven years of famine. And now 
Not only did it happen, just like he said, we're two years into the famine. His brothers have come to buy food now for the second time. They've already been there once. Remember, Joseph was all over his brothers because they don't know it's him. He was a zit-faced kid when they sold him. He was 17 years old. They didn't have Clarisol back there. I mean, he was just like, you know, and he was gone. Now he's a full-grown man. It's almost 20 years later, and he's dressed like an Egyptian, whatever that looks like, okay? And so, and it's like all of this is happening, and it's like, wow. And so they're standing before this man. The first time they came down to get food, he goes, you guys are spies. You're liars. We're not liars. We'll prove it. He goes, well, we came from a man in the land of Canaan, and he had 12 sons. He goes, well, I only count 10 of you. Well, one of them was killed, and the other one's back with our dad. Oh, yeah, well, I think you're all liars. You know, prove it. I'm going to keep one of you here as a slave. I'm going to put you in prison, and you come back. If you ever stand in front of me again, you better have that little brother. That'll prove that you're not a liar. So now they come back the second time, and they were standing before him. It's like, wow. So now they had to bring their little brother, and they didn't. You know, of course, Jacob says, man, you're not taking Benjamin. You know, that's, that's the, the son of my favored wife, Rachel, who's died while she was having him. She bore Joseph, and a lion ate him. And now I just have this one. He's my favorite son. He's the baby of the family. You're not taking him. But it's like, we have to, because a man told us, if we, don't, if we ever come back for food, if we don't have him, we'll be proved as liars. He'll kill us all. Well, why did you tell him you had a little brother? Well, he was asking us all these questions about our family. We didn't know he was going to say, we'll bring him back. We had no clue. We don't know why this guy's asking us so many things. And so we left off with Judah standing in the gap before his dad and saying, Dad, I'm going to take him back, Benjamin, with us. And I give you my word, I will bring him back. Judah was standing in the gap here because they had to have food. They were all going to die. They were out of food because the, the famine is severe. Notice how Judah is the one that God had picked to be in the bloodline of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. See, you can trace the bloodline of Jesus Christ all the way back to Adam and Eve through their son, Seth. Seth was born after Cain had killed Abel, and you go through the bloodline of Adam and Eve through their son Seth, and you can follow the bloodline all the way down through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, through out of his 12 sons, not Joseph, you would think. No, it's through Judah. And Judah becomes this type of Christ here. He stepped in to be a slave in Egypt forever now. Because now he's standing up and he's telling them, because there was a little issue that happened here. They come down the second time. Remember, we looked at this last time. Hey, here's our little brother. We told you we had a little brother. This is Benjamin. Joseph's doing everything he can to hold back the emotions. And so remember, he has a dinner for them. He puts them all in the order of their birth. Like, how did this guy know how to see this in the order of our birth? How did he know? How does this guy know all of this stuff? And so then he sent them off the next day to go home. But Joseph planted a piece of silver out of his home in little Benjamin's bag. And so they took off, and they're an hour down the road. He sends the military guard after him and says, hey, how could you repay evil for good? And they're like, what? What do you mean evil for good? We, we, we didn't do anything wrong. You stole something from the ruler's house. He goes, we didn't steal anything from his house. Oh, yeah? Well, we think you did because something's missing. 
And so the brothers said in their arrogance, whoever's bag you find it in, you can kill him and keep the rest of us as slaves. All right, let's go through your bags. They go through everyone's bags and they get the little Benjamins. It's like, huh, here it is. And they're like, oh. And Benjamin's like, oh, I didn't take it. I didn't take it. It's like, it was someone else. You know, anyway, but uh, it's like, no. It's like, all of a sudden they're like, we can't believe this. So now they get back and he's like, well, Benjamin's staying here, Joseph says. And that's where Judah comes up and says, you don't understand. We have an old father. He already lost one son. We cannot leave him. I gave my word that I would bring him back. You don't understand. Our father will give up on life and die if we don't come back with this boy. So take me instead. Take my life for his. Wow. So much has changed over the last 20 years. They sold their little brother Joseph as a slave out of jealousy. But now Judah counts the cost of his elderly father, Jacob, over his own life. Starting in Genesis chapter 45, we'll pick up in verse 1. It says, Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried, Have everyone go out from me. I wonder what the brothers are thinking. He's going to kill us all. He says, So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. Uh, What? What? Then Joseph said to his brothers, please come closer to me. And they came closer, and he says, I am. And your brother Joseph, whom you sold to Egypt. Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years. And there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all of his household and ruler of all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all of Egypt. Come down to me. Do not delay. Wow. (laughs) Joseph, he could no longer control himself. He could no longer hold back his emotions. He could no longer control all of his deep-seated feelings that he's had to suppress over the last two decades. He sends all the servants out of his house. Now he stands alone with his brothers as he screams, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? Talk about sucking the air out of the room. His brothers were stunned, shocked, astonished. They they would have never guessed in in a million years that this Egyptian was going to say as he sent his servants out, I'm your brother Joseph. It's like, what the heck is this guy talking about? You're Joseph? What do you mean? How, how do you even know our brother Joseph? 
See, understand, this is a a, a mind-blowing revelation. Their dirty little secrets that they sold their little brother as a bunch of dogs to, to be a slave, the, the lie to their father about him being eaten by a wild animal, all these years of guilt for what they did to Joseph when he was just 17 years old. Verse 3 said, they were dismayed. In the Hebrew, that word means they were troubled inside. They were alarmed. They were shaking inside. They were, they were disconnected from reality. Oh, how to deal with this new information. Know this. Our sin will always catch up with us. In this life or the next. All of humanity will have to give an account of all that they have ever done. The Bible makes it clear. Every man, every woman will die before the Lord. It's appointed. Every man and woman will die. It's like no one gets out of this life alive. It's an amazing statistic, you got to admit. One out of every one person dies. And after we die, we face judgment. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA all one word to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.